The Big Story from the Straits Times on Money FM 89.3. I'm Olivia Quay. Subscribe to the Straits Times channel so you never miss a single episode. Record high new cases the past two days. Hospital cases on the up as well. 38 deaths so far this month. Well, joining me on the show is Professor Wee Eng Yong from the Emerging Infectious Diseases Program at Duke NUS Medical School. Welcome back to the show, Prof. So whether it's the numbers or how we've been managing this COVID-19 wave, what concerns you the most right now? Well, I think the numbers don't tell the same story as it did last year. Uh, obviously, you know, vaccination has changed a lot of things. You know, COVID-19 was a fearsome disease last year because many people who get it will go on to get severe COVID and then end up requiring oxygen and ICU care. But with vaccination, that has mostly been changed to, to mild flu-like illness, right? So the, the, the outcome of uh, getting uh, infection with SARS-Coronavirus-2 is very different this year compared to last year. Pasir Panjang Wholesale Centre has reopened, but you know, not before I went through the usual cycle of measures, shutting down and stepped up testing upon opening again. Prof, it's only a matter of time before a cluster pops up somewhere else and that will tr trigger the, the whole closing, testing, opening process once more. What's your view on this particular measure? A lot of the measures that we did last year, such as closing and then uh, cleaning, deep cleaning and all that, and then restarting, isolating people who have had contact with cases, uh, isolating pe people who are PCR positive but asymptomatic and all that, were, were really uh, the, the, the reason why we did all that last year was because there was no other solution, right? So, so we had to prevent the virus from transmitting as much as we could. Uh, this year is very different of, because of two things. One is vaccination. That has changed the outcome, as I explained earlier, that majority of the cases now are very mild and, and um, no different from a common cold and other flu-like illnesses, right? So in terms of the impact of, of the disease, it's, it's much lower. The second one, which uh, you know, also makes a big difference, is Delta, the Delta variant. The Delta variant is a lot more infectious, a lot more transmissible, but it doesn't seem to cause more severe disease. And because it is more transmissible, a lot of what worked last year, such as, you know, uh, just closing down premises, deep clean and all that, do, do not work as well this year. And I, th I think from my perspective, I don't think it's necessary because now majority of the people uh, in Singapore are also vaccinated. And so, you know, the, the vaccination will protect us from getting the severe COVID, which is how we're going to have to live with this disease. I think the question that's facing Singapore is, can we continue on this path of, uh, you know, virus elimination? The answer is yes, we can. But it's going to come at a price, right? A big price because Singapore's well-being or, you know, the future uh, thrives on a vibrant economy. In other words, people need to be able to move in and out of Singapore because that's how, you know, uh, the, our econ economy is going to grow. So the, que the, the question for Singapore really is when do we open up? Right. It's not whether we should open up, but it's rather when we can open up. And sooner or later, we have to. And when we open up, more and more Delta virus is going to come into Singapore. So, so either we accept it now, or we're going to say we're going to delay this and let it come later. But either way, it's going to come. From my perspective, actually, it is not a bad thing to have let it happen sooner rather than later. The reason is we know Delta. We don't know all of it, but we know enough of Delta. It may change. By next year, it could be another virus that perhaps is even more transmissible than, than Delta. 
And then we will be opening up at a point where we have a lot of unknown to deal with. Building on that, Prof, are you surprised by how long it's taking Singapore to learn to live with COVID-19? And are there any countries with a different approach to endemicity that we should be learning from? To me, it is not terribly surprising in the sense that um, it is hard. It is hard to let go when you were so successful last year, right? The, the success, of course, came at a big cost to, to Singapore. I mean, we had to mobilize our reserves. We, you know, a lot of people, businesses uh, were, were suffered. In terms of, uh, you know, the success that we had last year, at some point, we have to let it go if we're going to move on. And that's the hard part, to let go of a success, to go back and say, okay, now I'm going to start all over again. And I think that is not just for COVID, it applies for a lot of things. Whatever that we've been successful, we tend to hold on to it. And unfortunately, this is such a time where we have to let it go and, and hopefully we'll get there. Right. Well, uh, Prof, on another subject or a related subject, uh, so to speak, many of us thought, or to be more precise, hoped that vaccines were our ticket out of the pandemic. Do you think COVID-19 vaccines will get better, not just at preventing serious illness, but actual infection? I don't think there is no vaccine that will prevent infection. I, I think that we should just set that aside. You're, we're asking too much of both the vaccine and our immune system. Our immune system is not designed to prevent infection. It's, prevent, it's designed to keep us well, to prevent against disease, right? So now the question is, are the uh, mRNA vaccines or the vaccines that are, are currently used in, in, in Singapore, are they good enough to prevent disease? The answer is yes, right? Because really the, the crux of the problem is when you have a lot of uh, severe cases, then it, it occupies the, the healthcare infrastructure, it, it uses up beds and all that. And so patients with other conditions now do not have access to these beds and to the services. Um, if we can keep that number within a manageable range, then there's no problem. Therefore, the, what we want to be able to move forward with is, is that, okay, we will be able to live with this virus provided it doesn't make us so sick that we need to be at, in the hospital. Because we've lived with influenza, we've lived with dengue, we've lived with many other viruses that, you know, such as hand, foot and mouth disease and all that, that, that are potentially dangerous, but we, we don't go around shutting down societies just because there's a case of, you know, dengue or a case of influenza or a case of hand, foot and mouth, you know, all the time. I think one of the hard things that conceptually difficult for people to accept is this idea that this is COVID-19, right? That there are 2,000 cases of COVID-19 in Singapore. I think that doesn't give the same, uh, uh, that doesn't convey the right message because COVID-19 over the past one and a half years have always struck fear in people. And so if you say there are 2,000 cases of COVID-19, naturally, that will be fearsome, right? Whereas I think what, as I said earlier, the COVID-19 of last year isn't the COVID-19 of this year, especially amongst the vaccinated. Maybe it's time for us to differentiate and call it slightly, you know, call it, give it a different name. So for instance, I work on dengue and and in dengue, we, we split dengue into deng dengue, dengue with warning signs, and severe dengue. So it's not, not all dengue cases are the same, right? So you have the different categories, so that in each category, you manage them differently. Well, you have given us uh, plenty to think about. Professor Ui, thank you so much for coming on the show. I've been speaking with Professor Ui Eng Yong from the Emerging Infectious Diseases Program at Duke NUS.